think English is um, quite an interesting um, language. You can use the same words, uh, different words, and mean the same things. Like I've finished a project, I've completed a project, and yet they can be quite different, right? So it's been said that if you married the right woman, you are complete. If you married the wrong one, we are finished. <laughs> if my wife catches me with another woman, I'm completely finished. <laughs> and if my wife loves shopping, I'm finished completely. <laughs> if we have married the right woman and she has made us complete, it's because we have understood each other's role better. Now let's just look at what the Apostle has to tell us from this passage in Ephesians. And one of the first things he tells us is that submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now this word submission is considered a very bad and a dirty word in our society today. And it's not politically right to use the word today. And the call to submission is uh, against the beliefs and practices of our culture. Because you see, the motto of our age is definitely not to submit, but to outplay, to outlast, to outmaneuver. Submission is not a dirty word. God tells us that we are to submit to one another in reverence for him. Therefore, any of anything that you do for God is not shameful or degrading and should not be looked upon or thought of in that manner. Now the submission that Paul is calling us to is what he called mutual submission. Marriage is a relationship of mutual submission. It's a partnership where neither partner tries to dominate the other. And with mutual submission, we give up our rights and support each other. Now what Paul has in mind is that the Christian rejects self-centeredness and work for the good of his partner. You know, mutual submission is love in action. And we do well to remember this deeper meaning of marriage. That is, the marriage relationship mirrors our lost relationship with us and its purposes for us. You know, it's abundantly clear that God's values look upside down from the world's perspective. When this passage in Ephesians teaches that wives are to submit to their husbands. And that these three statements are in the verses that serve as guiding principles, I believe. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. As the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now notice the central and common element in these verses. 
it is the Lord Jesus Christ. The idea is this. The wife is to be subjected to her husband, not because he's such a wonderful creature, but because she has a relationship with the Lord. You know, when Jesus is left out of relationships, the relationships can become very self-centered. I'll do what you want if you will do what I want first. Or when he starts loving me, then I'll submit to him. You see, focusing on um, submission is very much an indicator that our priorities are a bit um, mixed, uh, messed up. It means that we are preoccupied with what our rights are. But the focus of biblical marriage is on love and service to one another. And the word of God says that rather you need to focus on what you must do regardless of how your husband is fulfilling his role. Now that does not mean the wife should submit herself to be abused by her husband or to do anything that goes against the word of God. Now let us uh, be clear about this. Now Paul is not talking about submitting to an abusive relationship. He's not talking about he's, uh, what he's saying that um, uh, let us be clear that any physical or emotional or verbal abuse is sin. And we are not called to submit to each other's sin or to pander to it. Now if a relationship is abusive either emotionally or physically, the wife cannot be asked to submit. Wives do have a responsibility for their actions. She is asked to model Christ's love, not suffer or die in the hands of an abusive husband. But note, ladies, it is not the husband's job to make you submit. The Lord wants you to want really to put yourself under your husband's authority. You know, a well-known um, evangelist makes this statement. I think we say this and I think it makes a lot of sense. And he says, I believe in a wife submitting to a husband. But I do not believe the husband ever has the right to demand it. In fact, I know that when I'm worthy of submission, my wife submits, and when I'm unworthy of it, she does not. My responsibility as a husband is to be worthy. See, the ultimate purpose of the wife's submission is marriage. It's not that she might become a doormat for a husband, but that she might model godly submission that so both she and her husband can learn the meaning of submission to God. And when we submit to God, we are not doormats. We are loved with an infinite love. A wife's submission to a husband is to be a reflection and outworking of her submission to Christ. A wife's submission to a husband is to be a reflection and outworking of a submission to Christ. 
Now we then come to the question. We come to the question of um, of um, sorry. We come to the question: um, What does a submissive wife look like? And we read in this passage: You say the wife must respect her husband. And the Amplified version expands this. It says the wife must see to it that she respects and delights in her husband, that she notices him and prefers him and treats him with loving concern, treasuring him, honoring him, and holding him dear. Now, if I may just elaborate that a bit more. Basically, it means that wives are to be supportive of their husbands. Wives are to be the number one encouragers of their husbands. Give praise and appreciation. Greet your husband with affection instead of complaints and demands. Focus on what's right rather than what's wrong. And you should not have a negative thing to tell other people about your husband. You don't talk about your husband behind his back that dishonors them. Don't put him down before other people. And Proverbs uh, uh, which, uh, 31.12 says, She brings him good, not harm all the days of her life. And King Solomon was saying this in relation to uh, the wife of a noble character, with noble character. Now all it asks is that wives give up the self-centeredness, but promote the good and the welfare for the benefit of the husband. Next, a word to the husbands. So Paul tells us that we are to take the lead in their homes. And Ephesians reads, For the husband is the head of the wife. Husband, the head of the wife, really? Apparently there were two lines uh, of uh, husbands in heaven. One for the dominant husbands and one for the passive, submissive husbands. The submissive husband's line extended way out of sight. But there was one man in the dominant husband's line. And if you look at him, he was small, he's timid, and appeared anything but a dominant husband. And when the angel inquires why he was standing in this line, and he said, my wife told me to stand here. <laughs> Male leadership is sadly absent in our homes. We will show chauvinistic tendencies or cowardly ones. And we're just not living up to our God-given role at home. You know, for us Christians, male leadership is not about an authoritarian domination of our spouse. Nor is it abusing of his power to rule over his home like a little lord. Headship in this text has nothing to do with privilege or superiority. It is all about the servant character of authority. And this term that we use, servant leadership. Male leadership here is more about responsibility than about authority. Now if wives were commanded uh, to submit then the husband surely must be instructed to lead. But no, not here. Instead, 
Paul commands the husband to love their wives. Now, did you notice Paul's reputation in these verses? Husbands are commanded three times to love your wife, love your wife, love your wife. Now, as we know, the Greek um, language has primarily three words to describe love. And Paul doesn't use eros, which speaks of, uh, of uh, sexual love or erotic love. Nor does he use uh, filio, which speaks of a brotherly and a friendly type of love. Rather, he says agape kind of love, which speaks of a sacrificial love of actions. You see, husband is to love his wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, Jesus didn't wait for the church, his bride and body to say, I love you first before he responded. He took the initiative. Jesus Christ suffered torture, ridicule, betrayal, and death, all to rescue his beloved from sin and death. And this is the kind of love Christ has for the church. And therefore, this is the kind of love every Christian husband is to have for his wife. And the Lord's pattern of love for his church is also the husband's pattern of his love for his wife. You know, if we, what we call love doesn't take us beyond ourselves, it is not really love. You know, these days, um, love may mean anything from Hollywood to heaven. If we have this idea that love is uh, characterized something as just when you're just walking in a crowd in night, glaze out eyes, cautious, sensible, and never taken to extremes, I think we have totally missed the true meaning of love. That may describe an affection that may bring us a warm uh, feeling, but it's not true love and an accurate description of what is given for us in the Bible. A husband is not commanded to love his wife because of what she is or is not. He is commanded to love her because it's God's will for him to love her. Husbands, love your wife. That is an imperative. The message is clear. The marriage is not about the wife making the husband happy. It is about the husband taking on the role of a sacrificial, loving leadership that becomes a blessing to the family. And love is the key for husbands to be successful spiritual leaders in the home. And the wife's submission is often a response to a husband's sacrificial love for her. And a husband who lovingly serves and sacrifices for his wife will gain great spiritual rewards. You know, there's this verse in 1 Corinthians 11, it says, the woman is the glory of men. What does that mean? It means that the wife is a reflection of the husband in the home. If the wives have faults and failures and are spiritually lacking, the first place to look for is my spiritual leadership in the home. You see, marriage for every Christian man is a call uh, for, uh, for this task of uh, sanctification of our wives. 
which means that, men, your wife is your ministry. Their spiritual growth is evidence of your ministry in the home. She is the testimony of God's work in your life and at home. In the Apostle, um, Peter gives us an idea what this ministry looks like. And one of the first things he said is, husband is to live with your wife. Now this word, um, translated dwell or live, depending on the translation, here it seems occurs only one time in the Bible. Literally, it means to house with. Now we use this term housewife, but not husband. But in a very real sense, this is the term that's used here. Be a house husband. Live together in a house together with your wife. So the first of this responsibility is to live with your wife. And we are told to live with your wife, not live at the office, not uh, live with your wife, not on the golf course. Live with your wife, not in the clubhouse. How much time do you spend at home with our spouse? Don't say that it is uh, not about quantity time, it's about quality time. Men, be a husband, live with your wife. Now next, uh, Peter tells us that we need to understand your, your wife. Now we often hear comments like it is easier to understand quantum physics than to understand our wives. And likewise, some wives will say the same about us guys. And many wives will say that their husbands are just blind and deaf when it comes to understanding their needs and desires. You see, the perceived uh, uh, basic needs of men and women match are completely different. Just consider this. Men discovered weapons, invented hunting. Women discovered hunting, invented furs. Men discovered colors, invented painting. Women discovered painting, invented makeup. Men discovered agriculture, invented food. Women discovered food, invented diet and bed watchers. Men discovered trading and invented money. Women discovered money and invented shopping. <laughs> you know, years ago, I gave to Elaine one of those, on one of those special occasions, what I thought was an exotic jar of mustard. I thought I'd just chosen for her the gift for her. I could just picture that she will enjoy every morsel of the exotic um, mustard she has spread on the sandwich. But, alas, I, she reacted so differently from what I imagined. And I honestly thought I'd given Elaine what I'd given was a great choice. And a paid bomb for that jar of mustard. But I've repented since. 
No, it's obvious that if we give our spouses in relation to our perceived needs, hoping to receive the same in return, you'll miss the mark every time. Therefore, instead of um, giving in relation to what we need, we must strive to give what our spouses really need. Do you know your wife? Do you understand her, her moods, her facial expressions, her body language, her tone of voice? Do you know what our needs, what our dreams and her desires? Husband, understand your wife. And then Peter tells the husband that we need to treat our wives with respect. We need to honor them. And what does that mean? Honor them maritally. Be a one-woman man, absolutely faithful to your wife. And she needs to know that your heart beats for her and her only. And she needs to know that there's nobody out there where, anywhere that can steal your heart from her. Honor her and respect her practically. You know, when the Bible says your wife is a weaker vessel, it is not an insult. Rather, it is a statement of value, like comparing silk with denim, or porcelain next to clay pots. You see, denim is a, a tough fabric. Silk isn't as tough. It is a more fragile fabric. But that does not diminish the silk in any way by making that claim. In fact, silk is more valuable than denim. So you treat silk with greater care than denim. Likewise, we have to treat our wives with greater care and greater tenderness. As husbands, you are to protect your wives like fine china. Treat her like beautiful fabrics realizing that she feel, feels things more deeply and is more easily broken or torn. So husbands, don't treat your wife like some paper and plastic plates. Treat her like fine china, like denim material. Men, be strong for your wife and to protect your wife. Now next... Um, Peter also tells us that uh, not only we need to honor her mar- uh, maritally, physically, but also to honor her verbally. No, husbands are to uh, love their wife in such a way that they do not damage their reputation. And wives and we should not have a negative thing to tell other people about our wives. And we are not to talk about them behind their backs because that dishonors them. Don't put her down before other people. Speak honorable of her when she's present and when she's absent. Honor her verbally. You know, one night at a um, dinner table, um, not a dinner table, the wife commented, when we were first married, you took a small piece of steak and you gave me a larger one. Now you take a larger one and leave me a smaller piece. Don't you love me anymore? 
And the husband replied, don't be silly, dear. It's just that you cook so much better these days. Words have power. Imagine, each time you voice your appreciation for her, multiply that by 50 times, 100 times. You did good. That's good. I love you. And imagine your silence when you should say something over the years. So honor your wife verbally. Just do it. Say it. Next, consider her practically. Consider her needs and how you can serve her. And I think it is the responsibility of the husband to set the pace of outserving our spouse. So be intentional about serving our spouse. You know, a bookseller was just conducting a market survey and asked a woman, which book has helped you most in your life? And a woman replied, my husband's checkbook. <laughs> if your spouse is a full-time a housemaker, honor your wife financially. You know, I think in such a case, I think money uh, given to your wife is, um, is one of the first duty and priority. And every man has to do his duty because wives are not duty free. <laughs> Next, Peter said, honor her emotionally. Be emotionally present and be intimate with her. Take her out on dates. Say you're celebrating your 35th, um, um, her celebrating her 35th birthday. Why not get her 38 roses and put one each in a container in all over the house? Imagine how she will feel. If a picture speaks a thousand words, the 38 roses speaks 38,000 words. Honor her spiritually. The husband who loves his wife is like the church, loves the church, uh, will try to help her to grow in Christ. And he will encourage her to live for Jesus. Now, if the Lord has given gifts, I better uh, be careful and ensure that the woman in my life have every encouragement from me uh, to be what, uh, to uh, encourage her to, to use her gift. You know, guys, your wife is your ministry. You are called to minister to your wife by modeling God's concern for deepest needs rather than manipulating her to fit into your own agenda. So honor her maritally. Honor her physically. Honor her verbally. Honor her practically. Honor her emotionally. Honor her spiritually. You know what happens when we fail to honor your wife? Well, I think frustration will build up if your wife is not shown that special consideration which she's entitled to. You know, years ago, a pastor was speaking and he says that if you really want to see how successful 
a man really is. Then take a good look at his wife. Look at her eyes. Look at her countenance. Is she typical like the rest, just part of the crowd? Is her face a little hardened by disappointment and unmet needs? Are her eyes a little dull by a bit of emptiness? Or does she shine? Is her countenance warm? Are her eyes at peace? Is she a cut above the crowd because of the security and self-confidence her husband love gives her? There is transforming power when man loves. It's true that a husband is responsible for the wife's own walk with Christ. But then, a husband's sacrificial love can ignite something in her and give her the countenance that makes her shine. There's a sparkle in her eyes. Just as Christ uh, transforming, uh, transforming love for the church will make her stand out. You know, husband love can make his wife stand out in the crowd. And it works both ways. That's why it says, sorry. That's why it says, an excellent wife is the crown of her husband. Woman is the glory of man, and that's what it means. You know, we guys, are we doing what God has called us to do at home? Because a real man leads. A real man loves, leads lovingly. A real man uh, is willing to lay down his life for his wife, if necessary. And we do well to remember that marriage relation mirrors God's relation with us and his purpose for us. And a husband's headship over his wife is a display and manifestation of his consuming love for her. And a wife's submission to her husband is a display and manifestation of her deep, consuming love for him. Now what if we leave out our biblical roles as men and women, as husband and wives? What would happen if we really took God's word seriously? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we come before this morning again, we just understand that, Lord, you have marriage was an object lesson for us. What it means to uh, follow your headship and what it means to submit to it. And Father, even the words that we um, hear from Paul, Lord, and just as we consider them, Lord, we pray that we will be open to you speaking to us. Lord, as we go for the days ahead, Lord, we look for the time that we have to spend great time with our spouse at home, Lord, because we follow your word. Lord, we just thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen.